0: Welcome to The Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today we are going to start a series of discussions about uh, a very important subject facing the global businesses and economies. Uh, the, The question is, what are the future growth markets? So we hear a lot about developed markets, developing markets, and emerging markets, etc. A lot of terms uh, which come across uh, in the literature floating around us. Also, there are a lot of acronyms being used for a cluster of markets. One of the most prominent markets uh, which has been in the limelight since 2001 is BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. So now, what are the future markets for growth? Our first question on that is, is it still the BRICS or something else? So what we're going to do is, today we start with what are the various kinds of markets with those kind of acronyms which are uh, becoming popular, and uh, are part of intense discussions and evaluation by economists, businesses, and everybody. We will continue this subject in next several episodes, uh, where we will bring experts' opinion on various markets. But today, uh, let's start with, where are bricks? Are they still the future? Again, BRICS is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Or the future belongs to the next ones which are being talked about. First, TIMPS, T-I-M-P, which is Turkey, Indonesia, Mexico, and the Philippines. Or the number two, MINT, M-I-N-T, Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, and Turkey. Or the future belongs to the third cluster, which is uh, nomenclatured as N11, which is New 11, which has the following countries, Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Mexico, Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines, Turkey, South Korea and Vietnam. Or the fourth one, the frontier markets. Now, frontier markets has a lot of countries in it and we will be addressing all those when we will talk about frontier markets. Now, let's look at it. Whichever of these acronyms are the future growth markets, it is evident that the center of economic gravity is definitely shifting towards east. So there's a move from west to east, uh, which is happening and will continue because most of these countries coming in any of the clusters uh, represented by any of the nomenclatures uh, are moving the center of gravity towards east. So are these uh, acronyms the real growth opportunities for businesses or just the excitement created for selling the uh, you know investment funds for people to invest by the financial institutions. Today, we'll start with BRICS, and in the next few episodes, uh, we'll cover TIMS, Mint, and 11 and Frontier Markets. By the way, as I talked about the investment fund, I just want to bring up uh, one important point. The BRICS, which was launched with so much of fanfare in 2001, By the way, the popular fund of BRICS investment equity by Goldman was shut down quietly in 2015 after almost one and a half decade. Now, let's look at BRICS. BRICS has almost 40% of the world's population with over 3 billion people. And all of these countries have increasing spending power, an increased role in international affairs. They're part of G20 now. The Global businesses have realized that there is huge growth potential for them in these countries. These countries do present opportunity for investment in them for future gains. Now, let's look at what is the origin of BRICS? Actually, BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, China, short form BRIC, was coined by Jim O'Neill, an economist at Goldman Sachs, in a report in the year 2001. At that time, the four nations Total up to only 8% of the global economy. And uh, Jim O'Neill has been doing research and he was trying to figure out uh, where should one be investing, where are the best opportunities. So he coined this term. (coughs) And the theory which he put forward at that time was that these countries should be treated as Linked economic forces driving the rise of emerging markets, because they were all part of emerging market even at that time. The term BRIC became BRICS by addition of South Africa in the year 2010. The popularity of BRICS was phenomenal, and over more than a decade, it attracted billions of dollars of investment by fund manager. And it was not limited there. Uh, we, it saw uh, that consumer companies and other businesses were also investing into BRICS. It actually, um, uh, in in less than a decade ago, I I, I think a few years ago, it even led to a creation of a new financial institution by BRICS countries. Now, if you look at Jim, what inspired him? Uh, Jim was inspired to create the acronym AFTER the 9-11 attacks. And according to uh, one of the articles in Financial Times on the BRICS, and it uh, uh, kind of wrote the origin story of BRICS, Jim was interviewed and he told Financial Times that what 9-11 told him was that there was no way that globalization was going to be only Americanization in the future. And not it should be like that. And for, in order for globalization to advance, it has to be accepted by masses. It has to be accept, accepted by more people across the world. And that can be achieved not by just imposing the dominant American social and beliefs, social and philosophical beliefs and structures. So that was a mindset where he was trying to take it, uh, uh, his research into what are the future emerging markets and zeroed into these four. That time was only brick. And he felt that there was a growth opportunity there. And and he did a lot of uh, phenomenal work behind it. And uh, most of the pieces uh, which he put forward that time for economic growth and the projections have come uh, true so far. <clears throat> but before we go forward, let, let's look at uh, what were the major problems, uh, or rather what are the major problems being faced by Brexit? Uh Yeah, of course, the news of uh, Goldman shutting down its 100 billion uh, BRICS investment fund uh, was a surprise for some. And uh, it was termed as the end of an era by Bloomberg. But if you look at it, one can't blame Goldman for doing what they did, shutting down the BRICS investment fund. Their math was logical for driving a decision. The assets in the fund had dropped down to 88% from the 2000 peak value. And also, 50% of the funds were invested in Chinese companies, although they had five countries in the bricks. The economies had started to weaken the money flows were slow uh, in the recent years. If you look at now the other way around, from the country's perspective, the BRICS, the leaders of the BRICS nations and the investors also realized that it was a group of very politically not so similar nations, right? And all of them were at different stages of development. And all of them were at different stages of industrialization. That did not make it an assured destination for success with fast or assured returns as a collective entity. Oh, yes, definitely. BRICS nations were enjoying the limelight since the year 2001. And, and, and basis that limelight. And and, and, and and the activity supporting the BRICS economies, they even started a BRICS bank. But if you look at it, how were they in behaving with each other in business? Actually, they were not very good at doing business with each other. Uh, as per economic think tank, Global Trade Alliance, about one-third of the time, a BRICS nation's commercial interests were harmed. One-third of the time, a BRICS nation's commercial interests were harmed. It was another BRICS nation that was doing the harming. And uh, the most common target for this harm at the receiving end, was China. And if you look at it, when Jim coined the term BRICS, brick rather, he did not expect the BRICs to get closer and build institutions like the BRICs Bank. Maybe he foresaw that, that there were a lot of dissimilarities in these economies, but As a collective entity, they were the four four top top emerging markets so they can be clustered together and and bring focus on it from investment purpose. And he wanted to communicate that, well, basically, he wanted to communicate, and that was his, his intention, that these nations are important and developed nations should take them seriously. Now, look at the BRICS economy. OK, China's economy is the dominant one. If you look at the numbers in 2014, China made up 13.3% of world world's GDP, almost double the combined total of Brazil, India and Russia. Brazil at 3%, India at 2.6%, and Russia at 2.4%. And that is brick when I talk about this. This is Brazil, Russia, India in China. We'll now take a short break and we'll continue our discuss uh, continue our discussions after the break. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today we are discussing about the future growth markets for global business. Uh, We can count today's uh, program as a curtain raiser for the subsequent programs to follow uh, to address this um, very important issue on what are the future growth markets. Uh, As we discussed in the earlier segments, the developed markets, developing markets, and emerging markets. And thereafter, the clusters and, uh, and the acronyms like BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Uh, is still as BRICS or will it be replaced by temp Turkey, Indonesia, Mexico, and the Philippines? Or Mint, Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, Turkey? Or would it be in future N11, Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Mexico, Nigeria, Pakistan, the Philippines, Turkey, South Korea, and the Vietnam, or it'll be the frontier markets. Uh, in the earlier segment, uh, we talked about uh, these various acronyms coming in, and the BRICS, how it started with BRIC and became BRICS in 2010, and how in 2015 uh, the fund started by O'Neill as a concept of BRIC Investment Fund at at Goldman Sachs was shut down. So moving further, let's see what issues were faced by BRICS. As as you can say that 4BRICS can't... uh, quite make a wall for you, but these BRICs have been, BRICs countries have been very important. Uh, If you look back and up to the current date, Brazil, Russia, India, and China have done better than the BRICs, than the forecast, which was uh, projected in 2001 when BRICs came into existence. Uh, There was no South Africa, just to remind at that time. Uh, but you can thank mainly China uh, for that growth and meeting the forecast, because others had several issues. If you look back, it was not only the country-related issues; the whole of emerging markets had been through a lot. Uh, if you look back only for the past four years, the taper tantrum, what you call in two thousand thirteen, which was actually prompted. Uh, by fears of a change in American monetary policy. The other one was the drop in the price of oil in 2014 and the issues China faced with devaluation of currency in 2015. India had their own set of problem when they, they did demonetization in late 2016 on, on November 8th, uh, where they removed the high-value banknotes from circulation. So these issues were faced by BRICS. Now, in 2017, if you look at it, it has started better for first time in, um, you can say, almost two and a half years. Uh, for all the four uh, world's biggest emerging economies, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, what you call as BRICs, without South Korea, okay? They're all growing at the same time. All the four are showing signs of growth in 2017, which is positive. Before that, some were growing, some were not that lucky. Now, if you look at Russia, the GDP of Russia... Uh, almost bottomed out at the end of uh, 2015. Uh, if, you, if you use the uh, adjusted figure, rather the seasonally adjusted figures, uh, after the longest recession since the 1990s, their long recession, it has expanded at a gathering pace uh, for the past three quarters. The three quarters have been good. The increase in oil price has helped. Though... Russia cannot profit fully from the improved market by ramping up sales of its uh, products without kind of violating the production limits uh, that has caused the market recovery. So they have to remain within those production limits. Also, during the collapse of the ruble in late 2014 and early 2015, uh, it was... or rather say it is very easy to forget that Russia has some strengths in its economy. And it had. If you look at that that time period when the ruble collapsed and early 2015 before that, it it has consistent trade surpluses. That's a huge plus. And it always had substantial foreign exchange reserves, uh, which almost never fell below three hundred billion dollars. So as Russia has regained some of its strength, the ruble has also started rebounding. And it has gained almost 15% against the dollar over the past 12 months. And uh, you can call it that has made it uh, one of the world's best performing currencies But keep in mind, it had a huge downfall and now it has gained 15% in 12 months. During those 12-month period, yes, it could look like uh, the most gaining currency. And if you look at Brazil, uh, it had issues uh, even more prolonged. It was for quite a while. Its economy actually contracted for eight quarters in a row. And that was a result of the um, the downfall in the prices of commodities the commodity prices were tumbling and uh, also uh, in, in in political sphere a president was impeached and a corrupt political class was impunished. in brazil's political scandals uh, are still not fully resolved but at least uh, the environment the overall political and business environment is improving you know and also the weather was useful uh, very helpful, rather. The summer rains, um, good summer rains in states like Bahia contributed to a bumper harvest for soya beans and corn in the early months of the year. And uh, the impact has been almost a 1% expansion in Brazil's GDP in the first quarter. And if you annualize uh, at that pace, it'll be 4% over the year. And um uh, the the bumper harvest which we saw in the first three months or the first quarter cannot be repeated every quarter. So there could be a fear that GDP may shrink again. But overall, uh, the forecast is the growth will be positive for 2017 as a whole. Now, faster growth, which is evident now, is not uh, kind of in, affected the price stability. Rather, the, in, in Brazil, the inflation is kind of a little bit eased out, just as in Russia and India. You know, now it needs to be seen whether lower inflation will allow uh, Brazil's central bank to make uh, big interest rate cuts further. Uh, and it partly depends uh, on a new uh, political you know, noise which you don't want the furrow engulfing Michael Tamer, the president. If that prevents the government from reforming social security and curbing fiscal excesses, the central bank may resort to softening its stance dramatically. The physical indiscipline and monetary easing to combine to weaken the currency and push up the price. Now, Those are the issues which Brazilian government has to tackle with. Well, if you look at the inflation, which has been too high in recent years in Brazil, uh, it was not too low in China, too. Actually, it has been low in China. And thanks to the downward pressure on the prices and the currency, China's economy actually shrank in dollar terms in 2016 for the first time in almost two decades. But the deflationary threat has now kind of uh, reduced and the yuan has strengthened this year against the greenback as capital outflow has been contained a little bit. China's central bank may have resumed adding to its foreign exchange reserves uh, actually it increased by 24 billion in the month of May in 2017. Uh, it actually had declined by uh, about a trillion dollar since its peak in 2014 and this was the, uh, the, the cause, the, the, this was the cause which was basically uh, the capital fleeing China. Now will the resumption of growth in Brazil and China, um when i oh, sorry brazil and russia in coupled with the possible return of dollar growth in china will it breathe new life into the brics brand that's yet to be seen the country's leaders have started holding annual summits, and they have invited South Africa to join as additional member. They also set up Development Bank. Uh, they're trying hard on their side to create the infrastructure to support the growth in these countries on their own. And uh, the Development Bank they have set up uh, has its headquarters in Shanghai, which is headed by an Indian, which has uh, now operation in all five countries and uh, it has approved its first loan to Brazil in April of 2017. Oh, by the way, O'Neill had always felt that South Africa, a country of only 56 million people, and uh, it has a GDP of less than 300 billion, was actually too small to stand alongside uh, the original four, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And uh if you look at it from that lens, you will see so far this year, the fifth member, which is South Africa, uh, it, it's, its fortunes have been divergent from the original four. And uh, South Africa's economy almost slipped into recession in the first quarter. You know, uh, If you look at uh, Goldman Sachs, when they coined the word BRICS in 2001, they can sketched out their future over the next five decades in, in in another paper, which was called "Dreaming with BRICS," it was published in 2003. The investment bank then upgraded those growth projections again in 2011 because BRICS was delivering high and strong performance uh, uh, throughout from 2001 to 2011, almost for a decade. Uh, you can say that proved to be a mistake if you look the next four because of the four economies, only China's dollar GDP kept pace with those optimistic 2011 projections. The others have fallen short of them by a combined of almost $300. And also, a similar disappointment was uh, seen in the stock market investors. The BRIC equity index uh, compiled by MSCI has lost 40% since its 2007 peak. And as you mentioned earlier, um, 2015, Goldman Sachs folded its BRICS BRIC equity fund meant for American investors into a broader, I would say, uh, they expanded it into a broader emerging market product. Now, why I talked about these setbacks? Because there was somebody called Peter Tasker of Arcus Investment. He had dismissed the BRICs as a bloody ridiculous investment concept. But uh, if the BRICS have not been able to continue with the euphoria of 2011 when it was speaking, uh, they, they, they have fulfilled the original dream laid out in 2001 and as articulated by O'Neill and his uh, team in 2003. Even if you see all the issues in the past four years, the combined GDP of 16.6 trillion remains far greater than the Goldman team's uh, uh, forecast in 2003, which was $11.6 So that's a big positive. Only Russia has failed to live uh, up to those early expectations from that country. China has definitely beaten all the expectations. Uh, Brazil's growth has been slower than uh, the projection by Goldman. Uh, But the country's real exchange rate appreciate it further than they imagined, which has boosted its GDP in dollar terms. Now, there was another way to look at it. At some point after 2015, since Goldman Sachs closed it fund, the big stock market index, and I'm talking about the stock market index, has gained almost 20%. So there are, there are many different ways to look at which prism you're looking from, which reference point you're using. So we'll continue our discussions after a short break. Uh, We'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. In the previous segment, we are talking about the issues faced by BRIC in our curtain raiser for what are the future growth markets. Uh, Is it BRICS or is it some of those other acronyms which you discussed earlier? So now continuing from the last segment, the problem for for BRIC concept, uh, if you look at it, could be size of one of the member countries. It's, it's very big as compared to others. They're not equal. China has grown at a faster rate than all the other countries. China contributed about half of the BRIC club GDP in 2001. And its rate of growth has been so far higher than all the others that now it accounts for two-thirds of uh, the GDP. China is also become home to most of the group's biggest companies. Eight out of the 10 largest stocks in the MSCI, BRIC index, are from China. And these, this index includes Alibaba, Baidu, and Tencent. And uh, to be very frank, there's another acronym here. <laughs> Maybe today's our day of uh, talking about acronyms, a tech trio. And they have their own trio in China, uh, ac- acronym called Bat. As China's markets grow and open up to capital inflows, China, it seems like becoming an asset class in its own Right and one that is hard to contain in a holistic emerging market fund, because the size has become so big. And let let alone a narrower four-country vehicle. The four-country vehicle is BRIC. Emerging market is still bigger. And the China size is becoming bigger than that. The biggest threat to the BRIC's idea may not be the quartet's economic shortcomings, but it could be the singular phenomenal success of its largest member that's China. Now now let's look at at the mixed fortunes of the BRICS countries. Um, Let's break BRICS into two groups. Uh, There are clear two groups. The first one that took advantage of globalization and they integrated themselves into the global supply chains And these two countries are China and India. And the other countries, those took advantage of globalization to sell the natural resources, Brazil, Russia and South Africa. So two distinct groups in BRICS. When I say two distinct groups in BRICS, I'm including South Africa also here. Now, if you look at China and India, it's a very different scenario as compared to others, In both China and India, the middle class is is surging. It's growing very fast. If you look back in 1990, China produced less than 3% of the world's manufacturing output by value. Now, if you look in 2015, it produced roughly 25% percent of the world's manufacturing output. It's almost becoming the manufacturing plant of the world. And as China's manufacturing increased, it helped China's middle class to grow. So middle class grew. If you look at 1990, again the same reference point, China made up Literally, literally 0% of the global middle class. But by 2015, it had 16% of the global middle class. And the future projections are that 350 million Chinese people will join the middle class by 2030. Similar story is getting repeated in India, but through a different route. Whereas China focused on manufacturing, India took the services route. Now, the services account for majority of its GDP and uh, with a a, a very clear and particular emphasis on information technology, which almost amounts to 108 billion dollars. And India has become one of the world's largest IT services exporter. The rise of India's middle class is similar to China. India went from 1% of the global middle class, it is slightly higher than China, at least it had a digit, uh, 1% of the global middle class in 1990 to 8% in 2015. And by 2030, India expects another 380 million Indians to join the middle class. Another point which needs a little bit of belaboring because three of the countries got impacted by it is the collapse in the commodity prices, which threatens some of the BRICS nations who actually had come up, who had risen on the back of their vast natural wealth. Like Brazil sells commodities, soybeans, iron ore, and crude oil on the global markets. Combine that financial windfall with innovative social programs, which Brazil had put in place, they lifted 29 million Brazilians from poverty between 2003 and 2008. If you look uh, as a group, Brazil's poor are arguably the largest beneficiaries of globalization in the Western Hemisphere. South Africa also, on the same lines, used its natural wealth. In South Africa's case, it was rare gems and gold, diamonds, and platinum. Uh, which allowed, which rather helped them to get the economy on track following the apartheid. In 1990, the country exported 27 billion worth of goods. By 2011, that number had increased five times. Now, if you look at Russia, Russia spent the 1990s, building itself literally from the rubble of Soviet Union. And as we know, uh, the country is blessed with abundant energy resources. They have crude oil, they have natural resources, sorry, natural gas, they have metals and minerals. And that helped them to find its footing. In 2000, 29% of Russians lived below the poverty line. By 2012, that number had gone down to 11%. But the fall in the prices of commodities in past few years has done a lot of damage to all the three countries. Brazil's three-year average GDP growth between 2005 and 7 was 4.4%. One percent. If you look at the last three years, its average growth is minus 2.29%. Over the same time periods, if you look at South Africa, the growth rate uh, has fallen from 5.41% to 1.09%. And for Russia, the number was 7.69%, and it has gone down to minus 0.77%. Now, here one must mention that corruption uh, was an issue and still an issue within the BRICS. All of the countries in BRICS uh, have suffered because of corruption in many different ways. Um, There was corruption, but the rising importance in the last one and a half decade, the global economic system has highlighted it. And this issue has been highlighted in BRICS countries. At least some of them have put in a lot of efforts to fix the situation. And some of them have handled better than others, but there has been an attempt. Brazil's increasing corruption investigations have already taken toll of former president, Dilma. And it threatens the current administration of President Michael Tamer. On the other side, the same corruption investigations has provided them an advantage also. It has enhanced the reputation of the judicial independence and rule of law in Latin America. In South Africa, corruption allegations continue to increase against the ruling ANC party, and the country's president, uh, Jacob Zuma, who's already facing Supreme Court hearing regarding reinstatement of 783 criminal charges against him. If you look at Russia, uh, because of a campaign campaign by opposition activist Alexei Navalny, 47% of Russians now believe that corruption has significantly taken hold in the Russian government. Now, India and China made real bold attempts to combat corruption. Prime Minister Modi, in, he he led the government of India to, into demonetization and decided to do away with 500 and 100 rupee notes, which was 86% of the currency in circulation at that time to clamp down on tax evasion and black market. You know, while earlier returns could be debatable, uh, but... The government has gotten more ambitious, and they have introduced biometric ID systems. And the intention is uh, to bypass corruption and fraud in distributing public subsidies and unemployment benefits directly. They will provide directly now. Now, despite um, a lot of concerns from a lot of uh, uh, significant people in the country about the privacy issues, More than a billion people have already signed up for it. Similarly, in China, uh, President Xi Jinping is moving with massive, multi-year anti-corruption drive. I think it's almost 300,000 Communist Party officials have been punished for corruption offences in 2015, Uh, and they're trying to do both to consolidate power ahead of a major leadership transition around Xi and also to restore the ruling party's image as defender of the Chinese people. We will continue our discussions uh, on this subject and our narrative after a short break. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are discussing today about BRICS and the other future growth markets. And in specific, what's the future of BRICS and background of BRICS. So, in last um, segment, we talked about uh, what's happening, what are the issues, uh, what are the problems, and what have BRICS achieved. So, continuing there, uh, let's look at it. There are winners in BRICS? Definitely, yes. Who are these winners? You can say India and China. They can be labeled as clear winners among the BRICS as a country. Now, if you look at it, are they at risk for future? Or are they going to continue the trajectory where they are? India and China have the fastest growth rates of any major economies in the world, and citizens of these countries remain optimistic. That's for sure about the future. But if you capture some of the feedback coming in, nearly 50% of the Indians remain vulnerable to a slide back into poverty, and China's economy has slowed as higher wages make manufacturing more expensive. It's happening. Not all the manufacturing is going to China now as the wages have gone up, you know, which makes both of these countries vulnerable. And both of these countries are very specifically vulnerable to the technological changes that bring automation into workplace on a large scale. As per the estimate of World Bank, 68 percent. Of all the existing jobs in India are at risk from automation because that is replacing manpower. In China, the figure is staggering 77% because that's manufacturing. If you replace the manufacturing hands with automation and robots, that's the number. So, would you say that the strongest of the bricks are not as strong as they used to be in the past? Well, The future will tell. Now, let's look at it. What's the role of BRICS in future? And what can they do for the global community? It seems like the BRICS countries will continue to play a key role because they have become major economies in the global economy. Uh, No. No matter, even if they had slower growth rate in the recent years, but that still has been higher than many developed countries. And if you look at uh, the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, they have made uh, some observations. And uh, as per the observations and interviews coming with the OECD executives, Uh, it has been mentioned that the slowdown in the growth of BRICS economies will not have significant impact on their joint share in the world economy. And China and India continue to maintain a very sustained growth, a situation that both Russia and Brazil probably will reach next year because they've come into the positive side of growth in 2017. Also, the latest OECD outlook, uh, it says uh, it's expecting a return to growth in Brazil and Russia, clearly. And meanwhile, China and India uh, will keep expanding the GDP by more than 6%. That's a pretty good number. You know, uh, And as they mentioned, India is the only BRICS country that has not experienced a significant slowdown in the past few years. It had a growth rate of around 8% in 2015 and 2,007.7% projected for 2018. 2017, although is expected to be a lower number for India because of the, uh, the impact of demonetization and other consolidation of the taxes into one GST. And uh, at the same time, Brazil and Russia are expected to show some economic recovery. Uh, Look back a little bit. Brazilian economy contracted 4% in 2015. And again in 2016, 3.6%. But the good news is that they will be in positive range in 2017 and will reach a growth rate somewhere between 1.5 to 1.6 in 2018. That's the estimate. Now, Russia, look at that, which has experienced a very, uh, you know, complex situation, was able to successfully shake off the recession in 2017, and it has reached a growth rate of approximately 1.4%. Now, the outlook on South Africa is a little bit doubtful, and um, the country's expected growth rate for 2017-18 period is expected at 1%. So, overall, the BRICS economies, they definitely play a very, very important role uh, by bringing dynamism into world economy. You know, uh, but having said that, with whatever strong progress they have made, the BRICS are also facing the challenges in terms of productivity growth and innovation. You know, uh, there's a report from New Development Bank, and uh, and and it was produced by international group of experts, uh, you know, and and acting as external consultants. It provides a nice insight into the role of BRICS in the world economy and international development in the current situation. What it says is the continued BRICS growth, as well as policy initiatives definitely can substantially benefit other developing countries and developed countries. So the impact of growth of BRICS is seen in developing as well as developed countries. BRICS, with their combined economic weight in 2015, equaling almost a third of global GDP in PPP terms, purchasing power uh, parity, is actually close to the same as the G7 countries the BRICS are emerging definitely as a new center of gravity in the international economic system with the size of their economy. And also, one must keep in mind what is happening. There is a definite emergence of multipolar world in which the BRICS have become and will continue to gather momentum to become the central source of economic dynamism. And it definitely is an event which has historical significance. The BRICS accounted on average for an impressive 56% of the growth of global GNP, Gross National Product, at 2005 uh, uh, purchasing power parity in dollar terms during 2008 to 2017. And they're expected to continue to account for more than half of the global economic growth through 2013. That's important, that the BRICs are expected to contribute towards more than half of the global economic growth through 2030. The BRICS share of world trade has nearly tripled in the last two decades. Their imports and exports are growing. They're growing even in the context of shrinking world import and exports total between the period of 2008 to 2016. Connectivity among the BRICS and between the BRICS and other emerging markets and developing countries, which you call as EMDCs, has increased. And it has all happened through the expansion of trade and investments. The BRICS contribution to global economic growth through 2030 can be higher if investment rates within BRICS countries increase. And at the same time, the faster BRICS growth will lead to higher growth rates in all countries, especially emerging market and developing countries. The BRICS contribute to world poverty reduction. That's very important. Their contribution to world poverty reduction is significant. And a continued BRICS growth remains important for poverty reduction. And and that's the key to reducing the inequalities in the world. Also, the BRICS initiatives and what activities they're following to promote the other global uh, development goals can be substantial the development cooperation with BRICS and the actions to reshape the global economy system. It can be more supportive of EMDCs. They can play an important role in putting BRICS commitment to international development. Alongside the role of BRICS trade and investment in creating economic growth, the BRICS definitely are poised to play an important role in enabling the better provision of global public goods. These affect shared economic, social, and environmental circumstances. Many under-provided GPGs, global public goods, are of great importance, real importance for EMDCs, emerging markets and developing countries, in particular, but are of concern to every country. Definitely, there seems to be a need for a new global governance arrangement that can be more conducive to growth and development. These arrangements include... The pooling of reserves, the strengthening of alternative reserve currencies, multilateral development banks, new principle for governance of certain debts, and many others. The increasing contribution of BRICS to the world economy and their increasing importance of the economic relations between the BRICS and other EMDCs definitely creates an opportunity for new initiatives and would better help to support sustainable and inclusive growth and development. For example, simple thing, measures to strengthen alternative reserve currencies are made possible by increased economic ties. The BRICS can also support pathways of sustainable and inclusive development with conscious and strategic initiatives. The BRICS offer a new multilateralism that will provide an impetus to advance global economic and social development cooperation to achieve common goals, not only in the BRICS, but also between the BRICS and others. And that's going to be a key feature of international development in coming decades. We'll close uh, our uh, our uh, program for today here uh, with uh, the discussions we had on BRICS and what they bring on the table. And we'll continue in our next episodes on the other future markets and where the global businesses can find growth opportunities. Please tune in next Wednesday to the continuation of our program. Uh, You will find a lot of very interesting information about the other growth markets which are becoming very relevant and also very important for global businesses. Thank you.